This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 147 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we title this, The Unlikely Bull Rider and the Exmoor Pony Story. It's interesting. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my gin on the line, and I have Glenn on backup. How are you? <laughs> Glenn's on backup, but he's not allowed to talk. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. He doesn't have a mic. <laughs> uh, yes, you, you, have, you have your, your trusty producer here. We're gathering yes. together. The Exmoor Pony story. Who doesn't love that? It's great. Yeah, it's really cute. Based on a book by a, an Englishman who you're just going to love. He's he I was a little nervous. Two, two this, yeah. unlikelies today: the unlikely bull Don't rider and the <laughs> Exmoor pony story, which turned out to be a fascinating story. But I think at the outset, the author didn't intend it to become an interesting story. It just, but it did, you know. It was it was cute. He's not really a horsey guy, but you know, me, I impose that on every Brit there is. I think they grow up with horses in their veins. So um so it, it is really an unlikely bull rider, although she's a great horse person. And um an Exmoor pony story, because he wrote a book. It's really fun. And I think we should I think we should get right to it. And we're gonna do that right after we hear from Omega Fields. Hi, Joe Camp here to share about Omega Fields. Omega Fields exists to help you keep your first promise to the horses you love, to care for them well. Nutrition is the foundation of a healthy life and supports all the activity that brings you and your horse so much joy. Omega-3s from flax are the cornerstone of that foundation. So, coupled with the finest ingredients and their proprietary pure glean flax stabilization process, they created Omega Horseshine, Omega Horseshine Complete, Omega Nibblers, Low Sugar and Starch, Omega Antioxidant, and Proventum Probiotic, Soft Treats. Thousands of horses are experiencing a vibrant life with the help of Omega Fields products, including all of ours, a part of helping you keep your promise to your friends. Nutrition for a healthy life isn't just their slogan. It's their purpose. At different times, R.S. Turner wanted to be a vet, a TV naturalist like David Attenborough, and a doctor. He also wanted to write books. He ended up at the BBC as a director of children's drama on the way to adapting many children's books. After years of working in children's television, he wrote this story based on his own family's almost Exmoor pony. Well, welcome, R.S. Turner. We'll call you Roger. Is that okay? That's fine. You're sweet. You're sweet to have stayed up late. We're calling you in... What part of England are you right now, Roger? In North Yorkshire, a town North called Richmond. Yeah, and, and will have tourists visited your little community there, or is this kind of off the beaten track? It's a market town of about um, 8,000 8, people, roughly. Yeah, it's kind of small. Kind of small, but our producer was just over there visiting in England and went to uh, the London areas and, and mm. Edinburgh and had so much fun. And uh, and my father, Monty, is 
he just skipped and hopped through London and over to Hungary, but then he'll be back for October touring your fine country for the 29th year. Can you believe that? I, I know. It's a long time since he first came over here. Yeah. Do you remember that? Do you, does your horsey background, I know that you're a horse husband, we'll call you horse husband, um, goes well, back. horse father, really. Horse father, that's better. Yeah. I like that. That's true. That's true. It's your kids that are into it, yeah. And do you remember when sort of join up kind of came on the scene and and started to become a thing in England? Well, I was first aware of it. Ooh, must be about ten, twelve years ago, as recently as that. But I was very impressed by it. We were introduced to it by a woman called Sarah Kreutzer, who mm. I think had trained with Monty. Yes, absolutely. She's a certified instructor, which is an elite yeah. group. Yeah. And as I say, we were very impressed. We had a problem horse who, who was uh, an ex-racer, and mm. she she really hated going in transport of any kind. Uh-huh. And Sarah kind of fixed the problem. She she worked out what had probably gone wrong. She reckoned that certain kinds of trailer have semi-transparent roofs, translucent roofs, and as they were going under trees, those shadows crossing her head, which Sarah reckoned was reminding her of bad experiences of mm-hmm. getting to starting boxes or being forced into starting boxes. And the horse really wasn't a very happy mare, I'm afraid. But mm-hmm. um, we, we did our best with her. And we'd got her as a result of getting the almost Exmoor, the unregistered Exmoor filly she was then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little sunny. So, yeah, so that is so interesting. So there's transports that have sort of translucent materials or something on the top. That would be kind of disconcerting. I never thought about that. Ours are mostly closed other than windows on the side. But, yeah, if she had had a bad experience going into a starting gate, which is sort of a translucent top, if you think about it, Mm. at the races, that would be a little bit of a, uh, we call it PTSD or PTSI over here, post-traumatic experience yeah. for the, for the poor dear. How kind of you? Was it a rescue or was it just an off-the-track adoption kind of thing? Well, as I say, we'd got the uh, the Exmoor pony, Collie, mm-hmm. she's called. Mm-hmm. And we had her at stables very near where we live in Richmond. And somebody else had the other horse, who we called Bonnie. She was a flea-bitten grey Mm-hmm. There, as I say, an ex-racer, mm-hmm. and the owner seemed to be having difficulty with her, and was talking about selling her. And my my daughter f- fell in love with her, and felt she could do something with her, nice. which had already fallen in love with the Exmoor as well. Yeah. Um, and it seemed a good idea for us to kind of offer her a home, yeah. and we did our best with her. We, we hung hung on to her for a few more years, I and mean, she was. She wasn't young when we got her, and she got terrible problems with her feet in the end, and that that was mm-hmm. very sad. I mean, we couldn't keep her any more out of that. Mm. It wasn't fair on her. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just think it's so cool that you have written about an Exmoor and that you have written about your experiences. I think it's 
probably hard for people to understand how horsey your culture is in England compared to ours because we're around horse people all the time. So we think we kind of have a horsey culture. We tend to, you know, uh, be in that environment here. But when I go over to England, the the extension of horses in every family and community is much greater than here, I think. Do you, do you know that? I I've always thought of America as being very horsey. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you, you have the whole Western background. You have the whole Western riding thing, which we have a little bit over here, but not massively. In the area where we live, there are a lot of yards, livery yards, where people keep horses. And there are some areas where this is true, and there are some areas where you can go for miles without seeing a, a livery yard. It depends where where you are, I think. If, if you're in London, there are certainly some places around the outskirts where you can keep your horse. But it's not a lot of people I've, I've thought in London who had their own horses. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think people in this country are actually, in practice, very horsey. Mm. I think they think they like horses, and they're interested in betting on the Grand National, oh. uh, which is one of the biggest races in this country. Right, and yeah. They're also interested in things like Horse of the Year show when it's been transmitted on television, uh, which is show jumping and so on, and horse racing generally, which gets quite a lot of television time. I don't think many people out of the whole population really know much about horses. Well, I'm glad you're helping out. Yeah, but I'm glad you're helping out. So what age do you think this book is designed for? It's called The Almost Exmoor. Exmoor is spelled E-X-M-O-O-R, like the Moors, yeah? Absolutely. The, there's a large area called Exmoor, which is in southwest England. It goes over Devon and Somerset, two mm-hmm. of our two counties down there. It, it's on the border, as it were. And mm-hmm. that's where the Exmoors came from, the Exmoor ponies. Yeah, we'll talk a little um, bit more. I'd like to hear a little bit more about those. So I enjoyed reading the book, So, but I, and I'm not nine anymore, but what... <laughs> What, yeah. what did you? Who did you write it to? Do you do you think when you were writing it? I was certainly writing it for children aged between about eight and twelve, roughly. Mm, okay. And okay. Uh, when I'd finished writing it, it came out uh, as suitable for eight-year-olds in terms of the vocabulary and the way it was written, the, com- the complexity of the sentences, and so on. Mm-hmm. But I think the actual story could be of interest to anybody. Um, almost anybody at all who's interested in horses. Maybe maybe people who don't have a horse but would like one. One kind of person I thought might be interested in reading this book would be the, somebody who would like a horse but hasn't actually got one. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Why do you think? Because you get into the experience. Why do you think that is? Because it's, it, tells, it tells quite a bit about what it's like to own a horse or a mm-hmm. pony. It talks about the problems of having a pony. It isn't all, it isn't all wonderful. It isn't all jammed, jammed today. You have to work hard at it. Mm-hmm. Kids, kids involved in the, the actual mucking out and the work in the, and you talk about the different animals in the stable. And yes. it's, very, it's very cute. It's very cute. Emily is the older sister, and she's the one who's interested in horses and is passionate about them. And she does all the training. And she is described and her story is described and told by her younger sister Samantha or Sammy and Sammy has done some riding and she loves the family pony but 
she doesn't really want to carry on with it. And so that the pony that was Emily's was going to go to Samantha, but Samantha says, no, thanks, I don't really want to carry on riding. And then the family has a problem because they're not particularly rich. In fact, they're not rich at all. And the thought of buying a new pony for the elder daughter and keeping the old one on makes life very difficult. So it's Sammy who finds a new home for the old pony with a friend of hers. And it's Sammy who has the idea of going to a friend who breeds Exmoors, as it happens, and saying, wouldn't it be nice if Emily could have one of these ponies? And that particular one, because she does love her, and she gets on well with her, <laughs> kind of thing. And so it's all sparked off by what Sammy thinks. And it, it is right, actually it's Sammy's story, really. It's, mm-hmm. As I say, it's told in her voice. Yeah. She, the, the colleague decided that... Uh, my daughter was the best thing since sliced bread and fell in love with her, it would seem, if horses do that, if ponies do that. And my daughter fell in, certainly fell in love with her. And because she was unregistered, she couldn't be shown as an Exmoor, and none of her foals, if she ever had any, could be registered as proper Exmoors, even if the sire were fully registered and fully qualified and all those things. What had happened was a young, I think he, I think he was a colt, really. I don't think he was any more than a colt, was in close proximity to a mare, both of them proper exmoors, and both of them fortunately not particularly closely related. And he managed to get to the mare and um, coupled with her, and mm-hmm. suddenly the mare was in full. But because he hadn't been registered for breeding, the foal was not able to be registered as a, an Exmoor pony. This is in 2004. The pony's now 15 years old. Mm. But at that time, you, you couldn't back-register either right. the, the sire or the foal. So the foal had relatively little value, and as she became a mm-hmm. filly, she had relatively little value. But she looked like a nice example of an Exmoor pony. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we took her on and we tried to register her and we were told we couldn't register her then. This was 2006. And we just took her on and trained her, brought her on, my daughter doing most of the well, the work really at that mm-hmm. stage. Um, in about 2015-16, um, we were aware of all the developments there had been with genetic testing. Mm-hmm. And we thought... This is ridiculous. We've got a nice Exmoor pony. Why can't we get her registered? <laughs> exactly. And we went back to the Exmoor Pony Society and they said, well, okay, if, if you can go through the DNA tests and we can test the sire and we can test the, the dam, who is her mother, then that works out all right. And if Collie's own genes test out okay, and if she can be inspected to make sure she conforms to the Exmoor type, then she can be registered. And this process is described in the book, in part part two, really. And that's very, very closely based indeed on what actually happened to our pony uh, yeah. with all the delays. Yeah, I love it. I, no, I love it. I love that, it, you know, it makes the Exmoor special, too, in, in the book, which is really cool. Because I think we over here in the U.S. anyway, I get a little lost in all the... Um, 
the Welsh section A, B, C, D, you know, A, B, and all. <laughs> and and the Exmoor is is such a cool breed just because it's so close to in my, in what I've read, it's so close to ancient. And I know that you oh. have a little spot. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, that was always the story. They were always thought to be descendants of the original wild horses or wild ponies that came across to uh, these, well, I was going to say the British Isles, but of course, just after the last glaciation, which is what people call the last ice age, maybe 11,500 years ago, the British Isles were still connected to the rest of Europe by a vast land bridge. At that time, most of the animals that we regard as our wild animals came over here by that route. Funny enough, rabbits didn't, and you see rabbits everywhere in this country. It seems they were brought over by the Romans uh, for food, and then they escaped. Anyway, some wild horses crossed at that time, and they were hunted even by Stone Age men. Mm-hmm. Now, you can see pictures in cave paintings of various sorts in various places, and they have drawings of horses uh, from roughly that kind of period. Mm-hmm. And those horses, the drawings, do look very like Exmoors. Exmoors have quite a lot of characteristics of the original wild ponies. And this, I think, is why the breed was believed to be ancient. But recent genetic research, again, more genetic research, seems to show that they're in fact descended from the same stallions as all the other domesticated mm. breeds. I see. There is a little old genetic material, which seems perhaps to come... I don't understand all this myself. I'm, I'm not a geneticist. It sounded pretty to good to through, me. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, this used to come through the mitochondria, mitochondrial DNA, which is from the, the female line, as it were. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and bits of that might be quite old. But this is not unusual among other moorland types. Dartmoor ponies, for instance, and mm-hmm. lots of others. The Welsh, some Welsh ponies and... Scottish, Scottish, uh, the Highland ponies from Scotland. Right, um, yeah, they're beautiful. But anyway, overall, it, it now looks as though Exmoor ponies can't be pre-Ice Age or they can't be descended from the Ice Age, mm, um, okay. as far as I can see. I mean, after all, Dartmoor is not a huge area. Mm-hmm. And if they'd been isolated for all these hundreds of years, thousands of years even, it's pretty strange because it's not the land of the time forgot. Yeah, you're not, <laughs> not in an island, yeah. <laughs> not well, really. it's, it's, it's only a tiny part of the island, really. Right. Uh, yeah. Not, not yeah. very big. Yeah, no, I we uh, we just love your ponies over here too. We you know we we see the shows over there. I love the hoys, the horse of the year show, where we get to see the pageantry and mm-hmm. you just you do them out beautifully. And for such a small country to have such a, a variety of breeds there too, it really is. It shows that you're sort of the international bus stop for horses, you know, over the millennia coming through there. And I and I just love it. And and I love that the back of your book has some horse words used in the book for, for kids that may, and, and, and adults who may not know uh, horse terms in general, but there's also yeah. some Englishy horse terms. And I thought it'd be kind of fun. So, you know how, uh, is it George Bernard Shaw that said oh yes <laughs> something about that uh, uh, England and, and the United States are common countries or... Two, two great nations separated only by their language. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> And it's so true. So true. And and I wanted to ask you, because 
to me, you you assume that we all know all these words in here, but you know, some of them we kind of do. But what is barmy? B A R M Y. Barmy. What is barmy? Oh, <laughs> crazy loco. I suppose you'd say. Ah. Barmy, okay, and and okay. So there was another one that I read too. It's it was a leafy half hour ride. What is a leafy half hour ride? Oh, through country lanes with dappled shade coming from trees hanging over the lane. Ah, so we're, you're going through the trees and stuff. Okay, Manky. She was pretty Manky for a princess, I think, is the way you said it. M A N K Y. What is Manky? Manky. Oh, that's. <laughs> It means dirty, old, not very nice, not what you'd expect a princess to wear. Got you. Yeah, that was for Mia then, the character in the book Mia, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So I pulled that. Yes, Mia is very, there's there's one Mia in every X center, I think, equestrian center here too. There's one Mia who's got the best horse, the best clothes, and she knows it. And the horse knows it too, somehow. I'm not sure how that works, but... No. <laughs> I I love your character development in this. I think it's really good. And funny little things like even we don't we say I'm going to go blanket the horses. What do you say? Rug them. We, you we rug, rug them. The you yes. get rugs on top of them. I mean, some people over here know that, but not everybody does. So it's kind of fun. Oh. I felt like I was reading, you know, a, another language book. It was. I'm kind sorry. Of no, I loved it. <laughs> No, my, my last book was all about television production, and I tried to make that intelligible to both sides of the Atlantic, because I know in television you have lots of different terms yeah. for stuff we have. Yes, yes, I know. And you drive on the wrong side of the road, and all those things we always say and tease you. No, we don't. you don't at all. I don't know. You were first, so you know we get <laughs> we have to yield to that too. Uh, yeah, no, it's true, and, and I love I love your knowledge of the history too, and and of the Exmoors, and that you put a little bit in that, just enough to whet a young person's appetite, maybe that they they might want to know more about it. And that that's what I loved about about the different words is I like to learn. I I like to I like to be a sponge for these things, especially if it's anything to do with horses. So I didn't want to miss a thing, and I felt like that was. It, that's what drew me into the story too. Even if I wasn't, you know, um, the biggest horse person on earth, I still think I would enjoy this. And I think um, the photos in it are really cool. And and tell us about the the illustrator. She's she must be adorable, Daisy May Collinridge. Daisy May Collinridge, yes, indeed. Well, that was slightly odd. In the middle of town, we have an art shop. They sell pictures and cards greetings cards, jewellery, pottery, things like that, all handcrafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, well, the, the cards aren't handcrafted, but they're, they're designed in small batches. They're not the sorts of things you'd find in the big supermarkets. And I went in there. I know them quite well. And I was looking at some of the pictures that they had on sale and prints. And I asked the, the owner... This is the showcase gallery in, in Richmond. I, I asked the, the owner, Lulu, if she knew any cartoonists or people who drew cart- cartoons and were good with animals. Mm. And she said, well, there's uh, this one. And she showed me some pictures by Daisy May. And they are amazing pictures. Mm. Even you, you, can, you can look them up. Look up Daisy May Coll- Collingridge. 
at mm-hmm. dmcillustrations.com. Nice. DMC, that's M for May and D for Daisy um, and C for Collingridge, dmcillustrations.com. Right. Right. And if you look at those, they are really eccentric pictures, but all very clearly animals with character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she shows pyramids of them, um, sort of horses sitting on top of goats, sitting on top of monkeys, and monkeys sitting oh. on top of horses, and so on. Um, <laughs> and you think, how on earth did they get like so? How do what are they doing there? There has to be a story there. Anyway, I I, I asked her if she'd be prepared to do some drawings for me, and she said she'd never done a book before she hadn't done book illustrations nobody had ever asked her to and so she thought she might give give it a go and frankly this is self-published this book and mm. i haven't got to one of the big publishers and so well it's uh, on amazon I, it's on amazon so you know people can grab it it's really fun oh, people and can ha- grab it off amazon indeed and in this yeah. country um certainly some some of the big book store chains are advertising it as well and I wouldn't be surprised if some of the other players in, in the States have it too. But, I mean, the, the thing is that it wasn't a big publisher, is the, is the point, who have a budget for illustration and so on. And she did me a, a, a nice deal. <laughs> so she was very kind to me like that. Nice. And yeah. I think she managed to capture the Exmoor, our Exmoor, extremely well. You've got the photographs, as it were, for the real part of the story. And you've got the pictures for what one of the characters is imagining because it's it's told in the first person by the younger sister who is less interested in horses than Emily who's the one who actually does the horse training and does the join up and all those things right no it's a great story and how do how do people find out about you or how do they get the book um if they go on Amazon do they just put in the almost Exmoor and that's yes. and they'll find it okay Yes. And by R.S. Turner. By R.S. By Turner. R.S. And, Turner. And do you have a website or anything that people can get a hold of you if they wanted to yes. know more about I, the author? Mm-hmm. Um, www.thealmostexmoor.co.uk. Okay, great. Great, good. I hope people will go there and grab the book. And I hope you're encouraged to to not only share this, but maybe we'll hear more adventures of Sonny, the almost ex Maury's. Well, we can't give away. I, I can't give it away. So you'll have well, to find there, out. There could, be more. The, there could be more. It could be more because something evolves here that that maybe changes the title from the almost ex right? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, well, Roger, thank you so much for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio and staying up late for us. And um, I hope you'll get to use this maybe to share it on social medias and, and let other people know that the Exmoor is a really cool horse and a really cool cause to to save. It's a really cool horse. It's be great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cavallo Horse and Rider offers a wide range of innovative products that provide comfort, protection, support, and value for you and your horse. Cavallo's easy-to-use, economical, and effective hoof boots are available in three styles and six sizes to fit your horse's hooves and your riding style. 
Cavallo's got your back, too, with their total comfort system saddle pads for English, Western, and Tucker saddles. Look for Cavallo's simple, sport, and trek hoof boots and saddle pads at your local tax store, or you can visit them online at cavallo-inc.com. Laura Moore, a 33-year-old Moscow resident who coaches the Washington State University equestrian team, stopped in Spangle, Washington in August with her husband, Cody Moore, and noticed a flyer advertising a mechanical bull world championship held in the small town along the U.S. Highway 195. While she had very little experience riding mechanical bulls, she had plenty of experience riding and starting horses since she was a child. Growing up on her family's equestrian facility in Woodenville, Washington, Laura rode all the unruly school horses and was coaching by the time she was 16. She competed in three-day eventing until attending Washington State University, where she joined the equestrian team and showed hunt seat equitation, qualifying two times nationally, and was a fourth-place finisher. Well, welcome, Laura Moore. I'm so happy to have you on the phone today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Good. I, you're Colin, I imagine we're getting you all the way near Moscow, Idaho. Am I right? Yep. Yeah, Moscow, Idaho. That is so much fun. So I lived not too far from there. My husband grew up from there. I've been to the Appaloose Registry office there in Moscow, Idaho, which is pretty impressive. And of course, Washington State University mm-hmm. for years. And I'm I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about that equestrian team and, and what you've done there and that you grew up in Washington State. So you're very, um, you're wild, wild west, but you're an English writing girl. I want to get to that. But before that, you, mm-hmm. you entered something very, very fun and you have a great story. And I'd love to hear what you did in August that some horsey girls never get to do and they should. I know. (laughs) Oh man, it was so much fun. I entered a mechanical bull riding. uh, It was the world championship. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone could enter, (laughs) but there was, you know, I just saw a flyer and on our way home from camping in Spangle, Washington, of all places. $10,000. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Of all places, we just stopped to eat at the Harvester. That's great. Yeah, there was a flyer. So I saw that and thought, well, that'd be fun. Might as well give it a shot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So so you you put it in a calendar, from what I understand, like in your Facebook calendar, your husband's or something? Oh, no. Okay. So so yeah, my husband, I have two kids. So we stopped to eat at that restaurant and we saw the flyer and, you know, kind of joked about entering and thought, oh, you know, there's a $10,000 prize. So why not? And maybe I should. Um, But then two weeks went by, kind of forgot about it. But those Facebook reminders or memories that pop up about 10 years ago, my husband and I, we used to live in Spokane when we did AmeriCorps and we went to Spangle Days about 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. that memory popped up. It was oh. like kind of a meant-to-be thing the Friday before the championship. And so that reminded my husband, oh, yeah, we should sign you up for that. And he called, and they were still taking, you know, contestants, and so he signed me up. He signed you <laughs> Friday up. Friday night. He signed me up, yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I was kind of... I. 
I did want to do it, but a little bit like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm a not flyer. sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it was like the night before. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm so happy he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It w- worked <laughs> out pretty well for you. So what made you think, ah, uh, yeah, that's something I could do? Well, I grew up, my parents owned a, a horse stable in Woodenville, Washington. And so we had lesson horses, you know, a big school program with 30 lesson horses. And my mom used to go buy, she would just, she would drive out to Idaho and she would buy, you know, just a horse in a pasture and she'd put me on it and broke or not broke, I would ride the horse, (laughs) you know, about 30 days and then she'd put it in the lesson program. So if you learn to ride at Gold Creek Equestrian Center, you're pretty much a good rider because we did not have the best school horses. (laughs) Um, That's good. I I guess that's good. Yeah. I just grew up riding anything and, and then, you know, I evented and I did the hunter jumpers in college and a couple of jobs after college that I had were um, breaking and training horses for um, a Lipizzaner barn and then a Hungarian barn, Hungarian oh. warm bloods. So I was, you know, I've, I've stayed on my fair share of bucking horses, sure rearing horses, you know, so yeah. So I felt like it's a mechanical bull, not a real bull. I can do this. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. They put a big sort of uh, blow up, I don't know, enclosure around yeah. you too, right? We'll put a photo in the show notes, but it does look like if you yeah. fell off, if you, you know, you're not going to hurt yourself too okay. bad. No, you bounce. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bounce house. I've That's what much it's worse. Like. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen in the, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> So yeah, I wasn't yeah I wasn't afraid at all. I was I was more just not sure what to expect. Like if this it says World Championships, you're kind of like, is this going to be a very I was very serious event, or mm-hmm. you know, am I going to make a fool of myself? Well, how they or come are up most with, people like me? Yeah, ten thousand dollars though. I mean, ten thousand dollars sort of puts a a line of demarcation in there, right? Somebody's going to show up that's serious, right? Yes, and when I showed up Saturday morning. My husband just kind of dropped me off to check in and you have to do this meeting and, you know, on the safety rules and stuff. And, and when I was sitting there, you know, there was a cowboy, you know, in his hat and his rope and his, his Carhartt. And he even had his um, like bull riding padded vest and chaps and, you know, just, I think he was stretching and doing some (laughs) push-ups, and I was like, okay, so this is serious. (laughs) And I started talking to some of the other guys that um want to just come down from the north idaho rodeo mm-hmm. you know the night before bull riding another one was a rodeo clown but had ridden bulls and so then i was starting to get a little nervous <laughs> like oh no <laughs> you came prepared with your painted toes is that what <laughs> yeah i got my pink toenails and my english riding pants <laughs> you looked perfect yeah, I, I wasn't yet yeah, the the cow after my first ride the the other cowboys were talking about my yoga pants that maybe it's the yoga pants that is ah, why I'm staying on it's sticky of pants course. yeah well that's <laughs> what I that's pants. what was one thing that was kind of fun to to follow your story although I want to hear it from you because I'm not sure I'm a little disjointed on how what happened first so there were about 21 riders that signed up am I right 24 Ooh, yeah okay four were women Four were women, okay. Four were women, and Mm -hmm. one was actually a prior equestrian student that I'd coached at WSU. 
She lives How in Spokane. How fun. How cool is yeah. that? So one of your students. Yeah, she showed up to ride. She actually finished fourth. So I love she's it. She's doing really well. So that's great. So there's um, 24 competitors. And, and what happens in the first qualifier? So you had three qualifiers, is that, or two? Or? So your first two rounds, they, they add your score, and then the top 10 make it to the final round. And they're adding so, your time before you fell off? Is that your what it time. Is? Yes, okay. yes, just by seconds, just how long you stay on. Okay. What were your first two times? And I was uh, 33 seconds and then 35 seconds. Okay. And I was in third going into the final round. Really? Now you have how many left then in, that, in that round? Four, four riders? The or? final round, they took the top 10. Top 10. Okay. Yeah. And you're third. Yeah, and there was... There was already a, they did a payout already for the top 10. So nice. I already at that point, after the first two rides had got you were in the money. $500. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was already feeling like, okay, I got dinner at the <laughs> harvester covered now, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. And did you feel you um, were gaining some confidence then? I'm in 33 and 35. You're sitting. Yeah, pretty. Yes. Yeah. The, let's see the second, uh, where is it? The second I was trying to pull up. So when they added my scores, let's see the first place rider, he did a Mitch Chandler who came in, ended up coming in second, the whole thing. His first ride was 20 seconds, but his second ride was 73. Ooh. However, the bull, they had some mechanical issues. So he rode, uh. I mean, he was riding really well, but then the bull died. <laughs> oh no. Off. So then they had to start his time again and then turned off and they started time again. So I, I'm not sure how they'll work through those things. I'm sure in the next competition, yeah. but yeah. it was still a good ride. Um, All right. And then That's really good. Yeah. So 73, he got to pick his highest time probably or something, right? Yeah. Well, they yeah. add them together. Right. So but then, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. And so in the final right. round you held on for how many seconds? For 57 seconds. Wow. That is amazing. So now, did you have to wait for, was the, did you know that you had won it at that point or did you have to wait for others to finish? No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they, they did it in reverse order. So I had two more people after me. Oh. Yeah. So one being Mitch. And so at that point, um, when I was on the bowl, you know, cause I'd stayed on for 30 five seconds. And then I was like, well, this feels like a long time been riding this bull a while. I'm doing pretty good. Um, and so when Mitch came on, I was like, oh, well, you know, he had 73 seconds. He's probably got this. And he ended up riding for 52 seconds and then fell. And I was very, I mean, it was really just nail biting down to the end. There's only know. five seconds. Yeah. Or th you were, he was 52 seconds. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Amazing. So, um, and you got two women in the top four, I think you said. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? That is Tyler. amazing. And what I loved, some of the stuff I read about the gentleman that put this together was he, not a youngster, quite experienced at uh, in horsemanship, and that he was sort yes. of excited to do this co-ed because he thought yeah. you could. So tell me about him a little bit. What a character. Yeah, no, he's, he was very inspirational. I think, uh, you know, in the beginning when I was a little more nervous and talking with the people, um, he came up and he gave this speech before the competition started. And his speech was so inspirational because he, 
you know, I think this was his own money to put this on and get this wow. together. And it's just something he really wanted to do. And, and yeah, when he was deciding whether to have a division for women and men or to put a, you know, put them together, his speech was just, you know, he talked about like starting rodeos with Annie Oakley and, and then Mabel Strickland, who was right, keeping up right along with the men. Mm-hmm. And then now Maggie Parker, who's a bull mm-hmm. rider. And he just thought, you know, women can do this too. And why not? And let's start here, you know, with us together. And it was very inspirational. So that kind of what got me, it got me really excited and kind of a little more determined to take this seriously after his speech. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do this for the women. <laughs> I'm going to stay it. on as long as I can. I, I kind of wanted it more after yeah. that. Yeah. Ah, oh, he must have been so proud of you, too. I think there was one quote from him that said, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Yes. No. Yeah, he was very, very supportive of me winning the competition. Yeah, I, I think. really nice. Yeah. So where is Spangle, Washington, for people who don't know? Just outside Spokane, Washington, mm-hmm. you know, eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just like 20 miles, maybe. Yeah, it's a little suburb town. So, I mean, I'm thinking for that uh-huh. kind of money, do you think that your, your whole equestrian team is going to be entered next year? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to George about that. See? <laughs> I was like, I think I've got 60 girls for you next year, so you're going to have to bring the men. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, I love that. So you, I mean, you've been in Washington State your whole life, so you've got this this group yes. of, of kids every four years that go through the equestrian team there. Tell us a little bit about what you do at WSU, Washington State University in Pullman. Okay. So I, I was on this um, IHSA, so the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association. Mm-hmm. There are teams all around the country, um, and it's hunter jumpers is what we show. So equitation, um, jumping, and on the flat. I'm the English coach, and we also, through IHSA, have a Western coach mm-hmm. for the team. But we we travel around, you know, in our region and show against colleges here in Washington and Idaho. We actually have some in Canada in our region. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, we have our riders qualify, you know, to go to zones and then the top two will qualify for nationals. So I rode on the team when I was in college and it's student led, you know, I'm just the coach. The team is a, it's a club. So it's student run. Mm -hmm. So it kind of disbanded after I graduated. And so when I moved back in the area seven years ago, um, some of my best friends are girls who were on the team, have the same interests, you know, in college. And I just thought, I'm going to get this going again. And so I was teaching a couple lessons to some college girls and told them about how there used to be a team and got them to put in all the applications and get it going. And so now I just kind of keep it going year after year. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is amazing. I'm so glad that you were inspired to keep it going. I can't believe that WSU even let that drop. But, you know, it just shows that a little energy and a little excitement from one good person can make all that happen. And I and I love what happens at the college level in that, you know, it, it enables riders yeah. to adapt while competing on different types of horses, right? Because you, right. you use the... Yeah. I very much think um, that I can... <laughs> I can give some credit to my bull riding experience riding, I should say, because you're just catch riding. You're just drawing a horse and you get on right before you go jump your course. You don't know the horse. You don't know anything about it. You just have to get on and go. So you have to be a very adaptable rider and obviously a very effective rider to get on different horses that you don't know. See, there can so. win you a lot of money in yeah. mechanical bull riding. Of course it can. And yep, that too. <laughs> 
I love yep. <laughs> it. I love it. Well, we are definitely going to follow this next year. I do hope that, um, is it George Chica? Is it, is his George, name that we're Yeah, George Chica. Chica? Yep. Okay, good. He, he is hoping to run this again next year. So either in Spangle or Pullman, Moscow area even. Oh, wow. So I, Wouldn't I, that be fun to get the college people out there too and, and enjoying it? Yeah. I, you know, I just don't see a lot of mechanical bulls. Um, out there in um, Los Angeles and other places. So people are going to have to travel and come see your area and meet you. And I think you're an inspiration. I know I know that uh, George is an inspiration to everybody. I'm so glad that he thought of this and, and put up the money for it. It's a, it's a great way to show that men and women, strength and horses, you know, I think we're taking over the world. I don't know, Laura. I think the women can do yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> there's We're more pretty women. acrobatic <laughs> pretty acrobatic and i think there's just a lot of women in horses too so you know we're yes. we're overwhelming them with numbers too and i'm really glad that you're out there leading uh, the future of horsemanship forward yeah yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun especially yeah especially getting all the excitement from this story i just i'm i'm hoping to keep spreading the word and getting more people to come do this. Oh, good. How do people follow you? Do you have a social media site or anything where people can say hi? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, I'm on Facebook. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) But I don't, I don't have a Twitter actually. Um, Facebook's good. So you're Laura Moore on Facebook or do you have a question? Okay. Uh, Yes. Laura Moore. On Facebook. Bag, Bagby is my maiden name. Yeah. Okay, Bagsy. And uh, and look her up on the results of the WSU equestrian team, Washington State University in Pullman, Washington. And good luck to you. Follow up. If you've got any more stories like this one, let us know. We'd love to uh, we'd love to actually highlight you too as often as we can, Laura. All right. Thank you so much, Debbie. Mm-hmm. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place and learn the magic in the language. Dear Monty, do you recommend martingales, draw reins, tie downs, or shambons? Monty's answer. I would like you to think about this answer carefully. I am being asked here for an opinion on equipment that is fully extrinsic. I believe that a horse properly trained by my methods virtually never needs one of these. If I were asked if I have ever found them to be helpful, I would have to answer honestly that at one time or another, I might have found all of them to be helpful. It is difficult ever to say never, but the need for extrinsic equipment, that is equipment which forces the horse to do it, should be used very sparingly. If you get your methods right, you almost never have to use it. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Yeah.
Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, coming right up November 16 and 17. He's going to be in Warsaw, Poland. So if you're going, you better jump on a plane quick. And he's also going to be at the Horse Sense and Healing Clinic back at Flag Up Farms on December 13, 14, and 15, the last one of the year. Woohoo! Things wrapping up the end of the year. For Horse Sense and Healing, we have the facilitators, the folks at Flag Up Farms who are mm-hmm. trained facilitators for the Horse Sense and Healing. And then you yeah. have the students or clients who are there to gain insight into their own life by taking mm-hmm. the clinic. Do you also have observers or is it just those two groups? You know, it, they're important groups. And what we have is we have instructors like Jamie Jennings. And at uh, this last one, we had Ellie Boardman who flew in from the UK. So even though Jamie thought she flew a long way from Oklahoma, <laughs> actually <laughs> Ellie, Ellie flew all the way from the UK for just the three days too. Uh, but that's, huge important element. Then we also have the facilitators, what I call the facilitators, where we have clinical uh, social workers, psychology degrees, you know, and we have two or three of those at any one time with, you know, initials before and after their name. And then we have supporters, you know, that is somebody, it might be a husband, a wife, a daughter, a brother, those we encourage as strongly as we encourage the fourth group, which is participants. So the participants are hugely important. Well, I, I, I've got to count the volunteers in there too, because the volunteers are generally trained in motivational interviewing. And we do a little bit of training on our volunteers so that not only are they good horse handlers, but they're also very good listeners and good you know, they, they start the conversations and they let the participants go ahead and and process what a join-up does for them. So it's yeah. got a hugely important several categories of yeah. people that it's come a fa- to it's a It's a fascinating program that you've got going. So if yeah. Horse Sense and Healing, which is using horses to facilitate the healing of persons with uh, post-traumatic stress whatever the cause, if that is a topic that fascinates you, I would encourage you to contact uh, Flags Up Farm and see if there's a way that you can help contribute to that, because I think that would be great. And you can contact Flags Up Farms by going to montyroberts.com. All the contact information is there. Or you can give them a call on the phone, and that's 805-688-6288. And again, if you didn't get that number, you go to montyroberts.com, and that's there too. And for details about today's show... Go to horsemanshipradio.com. That's where you're going to find all of the episodes of the Horsemanship Radio Show. And you're going to find links, photos, and more information about guests from every single episode. This one happens to be number 147. And we love your feedback. Follow Monty on Facebook by typing in Monty Roberts and clicking on the official Monty Roberts page. You can follow him on Twitter at Monty underscore Roberts and the same on Instagram. Go out and get the apps. You don't miss any shows. Help your friends get the app for your, your iPhone or your Android. Go to your app store, search Horse Radio Network, download it today. It's easy. We're everywhere. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. That's Cavallo Horse and Rider, our title sponsor, which is um, Omega Fields. And then there's Monty Roberts University. These guys are very loyal. Please support them. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.